This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Well, September 9 will see the release of the first album from Shane P. Carter since the final of four albums is Dimmer. That was Degrees of Existence in 2009. And, of course, the self-titled album The Adults, a collaboration with uh, Julia Dean and John Toogood in 2011. The new album Offsider finds Shane Carter exploring new territory using piano as his primary instrument and writing tool. A national tour will see Shane P. Carter and band play the Captain Cook in Dunedin on the 27th of August and we're lucky enough to catch up with Shane before he heads out of town to knock that live set into shape. Thanks for joining us Shane P. Carter. Good morning Jeff. how are you doing? I'm doing well, I understand it's a bit of a cold drive for you this morning in from Brighton was it? Freezing, yep, <laughs> very honest. Getting used to the Dunedin roads? Yeah man, uh, yeah no I was taking it very easy. You're back in Dunedin, you're living uh, down here now. Not everyone knows that. Um, sometimes it raises a few eyebrows when, when we mention that. How long have you been back? Uh, I've been back uh, the whole year, actually, yeah. Um, I, I, I still don't know whether, you know, how long term it will be or whatever, it's, uh, but I'm sort of all right with not knowing at the moment. Um, yeah, I've lived in Auckland for a long time, but um, I've just based myself down here this year, yeah, and it's been thoroughly enjoyable. What brought you back? Um, I just, well, I was over Auckland and, um, I'd lived there for 25 years and, um, yeah, I guess I almost had an overnight epiphany where I thought, why am I actually here? And, um, just the expense of it, the pervading culture up there is not really my scene. And, um, yeah. The pervading uh, culture is not really your scene, but you were there for 25 years. Well, that's right. But I've, I've, I've found um, the uh, spoken like a true, question like a true Southern man there, mate, <laughs> sort of a vague accusatory tone there. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just sort of got meaner Auckland. It's got more expensive and it's run out of room as well. There's not enough road. There's not enough accommodation. Um and, you know, I think they've had 100,000 people come in in the last three years or something. So all the facilities there are under quite a bit of strain. It takes you forever to get everywhere. And I've always maintained anyway, I've always sort of kept my um, southern man suspicion of the Ponsonby Road scene anyway. And, um, yeah. What about as a city to support you as a musician? Auckland? Mm. Um, well, that's the other thing about Auckland as well. Because it's more of a mainstream centre and a lot of the mainstream media is based there, um, I've never actually found it that artistically inspiring, to be quite honest. And, you know, because I don't think the most interesting artistic ideas are necessarily sitting in the mainstream. And, um, yeah, but it's. Uh, there are good things about Auckland. I like the uh, mix of people, I like the fact that there's quite a few brown people up there. Um, unlike the majority of the South Island, and um, yeah, good, good climate too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are sporting a wonderful new leather jacket this morning, Shane. You're very proud of that. Very proud of um, yeah, Mosgiel. Uh, the Mosgiel secondhand um, stores are the gifts that keep giving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome back. Um, it's good to have you here. The new album, Offsider. This uh, reveals this new relationship with your new instrument. Um, piano. So which came first, an appreciation for what others were doing with it or a desire to take your music uh, in that direction? Um, I'd always sort of had it on the back of my mind to try a piano album because piano is the kind of instrument that you just throw your hand at it and automatically it's musical. And um, so uh, 
Yeah, I also just wanted to find a different angle on my songwriting, and I just think with the songs that I wrote for this record that I wrote on piano, with my limited knowledge of piano, um, there are songs that I wouldn't write on guitar. And so I guess it's just finding a different angle on what I do. But I still feel like sort of my aesthetic still comes through anyway, even though it's using just different instruments. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of a fresh challenge. I'm really not into the idea of eternally Xeroxing myself or um, imitating myself. You know, I just think as a um, creative person, um, it's important to feel like you're uh, you're just finding new aspects and new offshoots to what you do. Starting with piano, was it a bit like starting with guitar? Because back in the day, when you first picked up a guitar, you had it specially string, uh, tuned by your dad, I think, and you were sort of operating on one or two strings and yep. p- picking out kind of lines from that. Is is the approach the same with piano? Well, I was totally beginner, and um, the story I've told a couple of times is I actually bought a book called Piano Playing, piano Play, Playing for Beginners, and I couldn't actually do the exercises that were, you know, as Twinkle Twinkle Little Star using all my different fingers, and I couldn't actually do that. So I really started on the bottom rung, but I kind of like the idea of the fact that because I was untutored and un- uneducated on it, that I would maybe find different angles that someone who was skilled on it, inverted commas, um, would use. Also, find that when you become comfortable on in an instrument, you sort of tend to—it's uh, like the riffs that people play in music stores. They sit down and you know they'll pull out the same riffs, you know, and uh, that can be kind of like when you're playing as well. You know, you've got your stockpile of riffs and shredding things that you do on any instrument, but on piano, I had no riffs, so yeah, it was very much a clean slate. Yeah. So what territories have you been able to explore with piano that you can't with guitar? Um, well, like I say, I, I wrote songs that I don't think that I wouldn't have written on guitar, just purely because I don't know what the notes are on the piano. But um, personally, uh, my one thing I personally got out of it was um, I just decided to investigate classical music solo piano before I started writing this record. So I wanted to see what people had done with the instrument previously. And I knew nothing about classical music before then. I'd never had a formal musical education or anything, so I'd never had that stuff foisted upon me as a kid. And, um, yeah, I'd always sort of found it this mysterious form of music, really, that I didn't really understand. And um, listening to that kind of stuff, uh, the solo piano repertoire, uh, it was amazing. It was a wonderful musical, um, enriching musical experience. And when you get to my age and have been doing music for as long as I've been doing it, you quite often think, well, I've heard it all. But, you know, you hear all that stuff and you realise you haven't. Yeah. You've spoken about spending time immersed in the music of the likes of um, Schubert, Chopin, Debussy, and, 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 and others. Presumably they can offer some insight into how you can approach the music, but not the lyrics. Schubert actually wrote um, 600 leader songs, which were um, German poems set to music. So he was writing lyrics and, um, and matching you know, his music to those texts. So I actually found that whole idea really um, inspiring. I also like the fact that his music actually is just piano and voice, and it quite often just sounds like someone sitting at the community hall, you know? And, um, uh, yeah... 
What I really got out of that stuff, though, was um, how good it was and how it could affect me and touch me centuries later. And I love the fact that you know, even though I can't read music, that you can basically chart what someone's feeling and 200 years you can pl- later you can read that from a bit of paper and it's basically, basically a transcription of their soul and their spirit. And I found that really powerful and quite inspiring. Um, not necessarily in that I wanted to rip off their sounds, but I found it inspiring as far as the power of creativity and the power of art. You know, yeah, I did. I'm not going to ask you for a, a, a literal interpretation of your songs for this album, but if the album as a whole has, you know, a flavour or a sentiment of any kind, how would you describe it? <laughs> well, um, I haven't actually thought of any overriding theme or anything. You know, I suppose all the songs are written in a certain period, so um, I don't know. You've you've heard the record. I'd be more interested. What would you think it would be? <laughs> I, I don't actually know. <clears throat> okay, well, let's have that conversation. I, I of course, uh, listeners might know it. Shane and I go way way back, back to high school, where you were probably more of an upstart. Would have been a better way of describing you than an offsider. <laughs> sure. So, you know, what I kind of sense in it is a, a definite maturity and uh, a lot of reflection. And, th- and you know, talking, um, there are people, it's populated with people. Now, I don't know whether these people are real or not, but there are characters in it and you reveal a lot about uh, human nature through your writing I mean, I suppose you probably always try to do that, but this seems like a very successful album from that point of view. Oh, well, cheers, Jeff. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I really wanted to, you know, because of that music that I was listening to, like I said, I didn't try to rip it off, but it made me realise that you can, just the depth that you can aspire to with your music and... It's a depth that when you're sort of dealing in a pop or rock context that people, I don't even know if people will notice it or anything, but um, I did actually want to make an artful statement, and I say that without any hint of pretense or anything, you know. And when I was talking about Schubert setting poems to um, music, I really wanted that poetic sense to the lyrics and also that kind of depth as well. And um, so I worked really hard on the lyrics. Uh, I knew nothing about poetry, for instance, before. I've I've never been into poetry. And I just thought, okay, because I had to write all these lyrics at once. And um, I thought, I really need to see some good words. So I got onto a literary friend, and he gave me this motherload of poetry. And it was brilliant, because um, once again, like like with the classical music kind of trip, you realise that you can actually aim quite high with your artistic aspirations as opposed to trying to fill some imaginary mediocre demographic in the middle you know and um so yeah i set my sights quite high um artistically and um yeah uh and yeah so yeah let's pause to take a little bit of a flavor of the album now i've got a couple of tracks lined up which one can we play first and maybe you could tell us something about it 
Um, should we play the? Are we playing? I know not where I stand. We've got that right. Well, that's the um, that's uh, the new song sort of released as a taster for the record. Um, I think I actually got the idea of the rhythm for this. There's sort of a galloping rhythm from um, a, Schub- a Schubert song. Um, yeah, and I guess it's about dislocation and disorientation. Um, it could even be about colonisation to keep up with the isations. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I kind of like this. To me, it's kind of like a haunted ghost story or something like this. It's got a good ghost flavour to it too. Yeah. Disconnected to the present state, our forefathers and their forgotten land reawakened to a new identity. That tall mountain that stands in front of me. To have no name I know not where I
Shane P. Carter, I know not where I stand from the forthcoming album Off Cider. Uh, Shane, there have been some significant life events uh, between your last record and now, quite a lot. Uh, you spent, of course, a period of time as carer with Chris, Chris Knox. You lost your mother. You're now part of the Orphans Club. Um, it's been natural to assume that those things kind of informed your writing for this album in some way. Excuse me. Um, I'm sure they did. Uh, with my mum passing away, no, because that actually happened after I'd um, written all the material for the record. But, um, yeah, you know, life always informs what you do. And um, as you get older as well, um, one of the good things about getting older, I think, is that you do accrue some wisdom. And, um, yeah, that's, if you're expressing yourself, that's probably going to come through in your work too. I think, you know, it's definitely a lot wiser than my first batch of songs I wrote when I was 15. And you have called it Off Cider, and presumably that you don't name an album without giving it considerable thought. Mm. Anything to do with your soccer prowess at all, or something yeah, more deep sure. than that? Yep, um, <laughs> yep. Uh, there's many... Um, I like the fact that it was me playing an instrument that I don't play. It was kind of like, uh, I don't know, for some reason that seemed appropriate. Um, I liked uh, the idea of it being out of step, um, of it being offside, because uh, it doesn't really fit in with anything else or sort of any scene or any kind of thing. Um, also, when we're talking about that sort of haunted quality to that um, tune there, I kind of like the idea of the offsider as well. It's kind of like your doppelganger or um, a version of you or um, the shadow of you on your shoulder kind of deal. Many reasons, really. You know, I really like, I really like the title. Um, yeah. It sounds great. So tell us about the people you worked with to create that sound. Well, a lot of it was... It was Pretty lonely process actually. Like when I was recording the record, the only other person who heard what I was up to was Gary Sullivan, the drummer, who was a remarkable drummer, wonderful drummer, um, and also um, very tasteful and knowledgeable person as far as music goes. So he's a great ally. He's just one of those people that I've worked with for a long time, and um, whose opinion I completely respect and trust. And yeah, he was great, um, Gary. Um, I think, like most people I work with, there's points where he just has to walk away as I continue with my obsessive little journeys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, his drumming is fantastic through this entire record. And, um, yeah, look, I didn't really have any... <coughs> excuse me, I didn't really have any musical template, and I didn't know how to put this music together because it was piano and drums. And it was only right towards the end of the process that I actually started putting um, sort of bass guitar on it. Uh, that was through Nick Rowan, who I've worked with quite a lot. Um, he's been, um, he's engineered quite a few of my records. Uh, and Nick helped me mix the record. I mixed it with him up in Wanaka. So it was pretty much me and Gary in the recording process. And um, then Nick helped polish it towards the end, yeah. And do you have your other players' parts mapped out? Or, or people like Gary, is he free to do how he pleases with the song? Gary, totally, um, yeah, I know nothing about beats, and um, so, yeah, I totally left him to do that. But as far as the other parts go, um, Nick played a wee bit of bass, but I pretty much played most of it, and with the string parts, and there's a couple of string parts and a couple of um, 
bit of sax in there, and I pretty much wrote those lines for the people and just brought them in to play them for real, yeah. What piano did you use to record with? Um, I recorded it all on um, a MIDI piano and really couldn't handle the thought of having to record all the piano parts again. And um, because I don't know or didn't know my way around piano, you know, I kind of had to f- remember it, memorise it all note by note. So it was kind of a technical challenge. But um, I realised towards the end of the project that the fake piano sound just wasn't going to cut it. So I actually went and re-recorded it all on real piano um, at um, a friend's mum's house. Yeah. Uh, the difference between a real piano and um, a fake piano is quite acute, really. So. Mm. Real pianos have these wonderful has this wonderful overtone to it and a richness to the sound that you don't get. You'd be very pleased you made that decision, no doubt. Very pleased, yes. Well, there's just things you know. You just hit a note and you hold it, and it just holds forever, you know. And there's mm. all these overtones and all these resonances which you certainly don't get in a computer. Yeah. Uh, on listening, my feeling is it's a play loud album. Yeah, it's um, there's quite a few sort of slower songs on it, but it's still a punchy record, and it's still it's still a powerful record, and yeah, it's fat. You know, just even listening to it in the studio now, that sounded great. Uh, I haven't really heard it on very many different sets of speakers, so yeah, it sounds really fat, great. Well, look, it all takes a new uh, tangent now. You've got to go and perform these songs. Yeah, how are you feeling about that? Um, yeah, well, I suppose we can share our story. Um, the listeners maybe uh, are interested. Uh, I played at Jeff's house. We did a little house party and um, a few weeks ago, and I just did a little solo set, and that was when I debuted a few of my piano songs. And um, I practiced really hard on all my piano parts, and just before I left to go play this gig, I decided to have one more run through, and I couldn't remember any of the songs. <laughs> And um, so when I came to play the piano parts, I was actually feeling really ups- um, uptight about it. And when I was playing, my hands were shaking really badly, and I just felt like a novice musician all over again. And I kind of staggered through it, but um, yeah, it, it was uh, quite um, nerve-wracking. But um, I've done quite a bit of practice since, so I'm actually feeling quite confident about it now. So touch wood, yeah. And you're touring and you're touring the album, does that mean that your set will primarily focus on album material? Oh, it's going to be a mix. We're going to do probably um, you know four or five tracks from the piano record and the rest will be sort of greatest hits on the guitar. So um, you know, it's still going to be a pretty rocking set. I'm playing with um, my three-piece band, which is Gary Sullivan on drums and James Duncan, who was the, guitar, the other guitarist in Dimmer. James is actually playing bass mostly now. And um, yeah, I've stripped right back to a, a three-piece and... Uh, but we played a couple of shows this year and they've been great, so hopefully they'll continue to be so. And you're coming to the Captain Cook. Uh, yeah, man. That's um, that's quite something. I think yeah. you might be the first significant gig there. I'm not sure about that since, of right. course, it's reopened. But yeah, I think they've had a couple of shows there, but yeah, yeah. man. Um, yeah, I had actually had a Facebook discussion with David Kilgour the other uh, day, and David Kilgour's dad actually ran the Cook mm. for a while there in the 70s. And my dad actually ran the bistro bar upstairs Um uh, in the late 70s as well So yeah we certainly go back a long way With that place So yeah it'll be cool playing there again So that's Saturday 27th of August It's the final of four dates on the tour Starts uh, Thursday next week uh, The Tuning Fork in Auckland um, And of course That's not the only thing you've been doing Recently you had an outing with Don McGlashan You uh, curated each other's set For uh, uh, An Auckland Arts Festival piece And you 
you previewed that uh, at Kerry's Bay. Bay Pub. Yeah. A great night that was. Uh, just, do you think that if you had got to choose the songs that Shane Carter performed on, on that uh, night or as part of that performance, it would have been uh, a similar set to that which Don threw your way? No, not at all, and vice versa for him as well, you know. I think we both selected. Yeah, it was very interesting to have another songwriter select your set for you. I've never had I've never had anyone write my set for me. So he actually chose songs that I've never played live, and also songs that for some reason I had a hang ups about, you know, or thought, oh, you know. Um, um, but he selected these tunes. And said, no, that's actually a really good song, and you're kind of like, oh, okay, and. And you play it again and go, oh, hang on, that is a really good tune. Um, yeah, so it was really interesting. We both chose, like I say, we both chose each other's sets and we pretty much studiously avoided, you know, the, the hits. And, um, yeah, so there was a lot of uh, more sort of obscure tunes. And when I was selecting Don's stuff, I, I found my primary um, consideration when I was selecting his tunes was... Um, his vocal performances, actually, um, the songs where he sort of, I don't know, he's doing sort of um, quite uh, uh, non-typical kind of vocal performances. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it was, it was a great exercise. And we just did it for the Auckland Arts Festival, and we had such a great time doing it. We thought, oh, we should take this out on tour. So You're doing that again later this year? Doing that again later this year. I think we were going to do it at the Fortune, actually, in October. Fortune Theatre, 23rd of October. Yeah. I think, oh, you, can, I think right. you can get your tickets for that one now, nice too. Plug, yeah. And you can still get your tickets, of course, for Saturday the 27th of August at the Captain Cook. Or the Cook, I think it's just called these days. Cook, yes, uh, tickets available through Under the Radar there, there Jeff. Yes. Nice. And uh, it will. the tour is... Uh, pre the formal release of the album but will you make albums available for purchase on tour yes we just got some cds back very excited about that it's so weird that you know years of thought and work and effort then scrunched into this little silver disc and but those little silver discs arrived this week so yes we're going to be selling pre-release um the album is officially being released on september the 9th we're going to be selling the cds at the show so uh, yeah, no, really psyched about that. Thanks for joining us, Shane P. Carter. It's been good to have a chat. And all the best for the tour and the album. Cheers, Jeff. We've got another song. Uh, perhaps I'll let you introduce that one to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, this one's called Waiting Game. Um, probably one of the, uh, one of the more reflective ones on the, on the record. But, um, you know, I really like this thing. Uh, I really like this as a tune, yeah.
Shane P. Carter, Waiting Game from the forthcoming album Offsider. You can catch Shane P. Carter and band in performance at the Captain Cook here in Dunedin on the 27th of August. I would advise you to snap up your tickets quickly. This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.